This is Too Much Grit to Quit. Sports personalities Shelly Till and Dave O'Hara bring you non-sugar-coated stories of the famous, not-so-famous, and everyday hometown heroes who have overcome adversity and incredible challenges to achieve success. Too Much Grit to Quit. Discover the key to unlock the chains that keep you from achieving your dreams. Welcome this is Shelly Till alongside Dave O'Hara, and you are listening to the Too Much Grit to Quit show. Purpose of Too Much Grit to Quit, Dave and I got together. We've had a couple interviews in the past, and we thought, let's take this up a notch. And he has a lot of experience and stories with athletes, non-athletes, as do I. We'll get into both of our backgrounds in a little bit, but really the whole point of Too Much Grit to Quit is to offer a safe non-judgmental platform where you can share your unsugar-coated stories of how you overcame adversity, challenges, or naysayers throughout your journey to fulfill your dreams. And I always like to think of everybody has a story, right? So your story, telling it, sharing it could be the key that helps to unlock somebody else's chains and keep them from achieving their dreams. And I'm a firm believer that we need to use our pain for purpose. And that's really what Too Much Grit to Quit represents. So welcome. Oh, Dave, what would you like to add to that? Well, Shelly, I don't know. I might just say thanks for listening. Good night, folks. That's fantastic stuff, Shelly. And as you and I have talked about, I could not be more excited than to do this with you. And, and I'll also frame this with the listening audience that Shelly and I, as she mentioned, have. Uh, I'm a radio host and have been for years. And Shelly's a Big Ten uh, a studio analyst and covers women's college basketball. Oh, by the way, she has a son that plays Division One basketball at Iowa, Riley, and her daughter Claire played Division One basketball at Iowa uh, with the great Megan Gustafson and Blue bunch and um, Claire is now married to all pro all world tight end George Kittle who a former Iowa Hawkeye and now plays for the San Francisco 49ers but my past I've worked at Fox Sports Radio in Kansas City lived and worked in Los Angeles was a segment producer on the Tonight Show have worked in other projects involving the military and athletes and working that in so to Shelly's point listeners I want to let you all know that a couple of different things that Shelly and I wanted to look at not just athletes although a lot of our world dovetails in and out of athletes athletics and people involved in athletics, coaches, players, uh, media, that type of thing. Shelly and I really wanted to hone in on not just athletes, coaches. There will be some athletes on this program and coaches and former athletes. And But what Shelly and I really wanted to highlight, as she said, was there are a lot of business people, educators, fire and rescue, military, uh, police. And if I start mentioning occupations, I'm going to leave some off. But Shelly, as you and I have talked about, we want to make this a listener friendly and make this for all people. So if you have any suggestions, uh, Shelly, let's let the listeners know where they can send Send any guest suggestions to us, please, too. Yeah, you can email those at muchgrit, it's M-U-C-H-G-R-I-T, at gmail.com. And, uh, or we're on social social media, too. We have a Twitter, which is just like the title says, to the, the number two, too much grit, the number two quit on Twitter. And we're also on Instagram. And that one's just a little bit different. It's too much grit to quit, but it starts with the the word T-O-O. So feel free to use uh, either social media, also on Facebook, I should mention, too much grit to quit on Facebook. So social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, shoot us a message or 
email us at muchgrit at gmail.com. All over the map. I love it, Shelly. You got us covered wall to wall, end to end. So, Shelly, let's you and I talk a little bit about what you we've just discussed in this opening segment when we talk about future shows. And again, yes, we'll have uh, some athletes and some former coaches and, and media people, but it's nice that we can have some famous, quote unquote, famous people on the show to because why Shelly and I wanted to to use that vehicle, audience, listener, uh, listeners and followers, is we wanted to make sure that we drew attention to this project. So fortunately or unfortunately in the society we live in, Shelly, it's a celebrity-driven society, so we want to use that pulpit or that platform to reach audience members because Shelly you're like me and we've talked about this off the air and now let's bring it on the air here uh, we talk often about how it appears to me and I'm not trying to indict any industry but a lot of society and we'll even say media for that matter always wants to go to the lowest hanging fruit so they'll scour the police blotters and say this person did this and they broke the law in this way and that way and I'm not saying that's a, that's not a viable source I'm not saying that at all but what I'm saying is what I like what you and I have talked about is we want to bring positivity and stories of inspiration to listeners and not the usual suspects or the low-hanging fruit. Exactly. And I think that given the, as you mentioned, the environment that we're in, um, it can be negative. And social media can be super negative. Mm -hmm. We both experienced that. I've experienced it um, as a player, as a, or excuse me, as a coach, as a, as a mother of, of, as you mentioned, Claire and Riley both playing um, and then George, my son-in-law now, I can call him that. Yes, that's officially. right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so it's just, it can be used for, for negativity, but I think that we have an option and actually I really believe it's an obligation to share the, the good, the good side of athletics or the good side of adversity. And, and I think, like I said, um, one of our intentions or one of our purposes for even doing this is everybody has a story, right? Yes. Everybody has had stuff that we've gone through. Some of it just gets a little more attention. And I don't necessarily think um, everyone's trauma story, if you will, and trauma is a is a word use, I'm using loosely, but we all learn those lessons. And I have always, anytime I speak, I always talk about using the athletics as that platform because it teaches so many wonderful life lessons. You know, and so yeah. if we can have an opportunity to take someone's challenge, big or small, no matter what scale you want to weigh it on, those stories help shape who we who we become. And I think that what better way than to tell a story? Everybody loves a comeback story. You know, there's a reason why everyone was so excited when Tiger Woods won the Masters this year because it was a huge comeback story, regardless of what your thoughts are about him and all of the challenges he went through. That's an amazing story. And so there are people out there that are listening and trying and fighting their own little battles every single day and, and hearing uplifting and being encouraged rather than being put down or viewing negativity. You know, There's a lot more for, for helping people get to where they want to be. Well stated, Shelley. And I would even just add to that, that in reference to Tiger Woods, all of that was self-inflicted, as you mentioned, and no matter how somebody looks at that, but I think that that's the finer point here, is it's not, he finally got out of his own way and was able to succeed. And for, for whatever, and I'm not going to go into his whole story, but we all know it, and if not fans, uh, Google it. Uh, it's, well doc, <laughs> it's well documented. It's part of that low-hanging fruit you and I talked about earlier in this segment, and that now it's finally good to talk about him in 
a positive light. And that's what I, what you and I, and I love the words that you used when you said to borrow from uh, the uh, Rick Warren, uh, a purpose driven life, or you said it's our purpose. And I think you're right. I think it's almost darn right our duty. And, and when someone asked me about this, a friend of mine said, Oh, I, you know, they, they knew you and they knew me and they knew our stories and that we had been on the air together for other shows that I've done and other shows that you've done and promoted. And he said, that is a great fit. I said, yeah, you know, I almost feel like it's, and I don't want to use the word obligation. So I'll say duty after doing this for 25 plus years, we've both been in and out of the media for almost, uh, not to age us both, but I will. Uh, we have <laughs> both right. been at this for a long time. And, and, and the reason I say that to you is I'm not knocking anything we've done in the past. That's great content. And, and it, it drives the, the bus as they say in, in, in sports. And that's great. But now we get a chance to really highlight some of these stories. And I do mean highlight. And some of these stories are tough initially to talk about and, and a lot of personal strife and anguish and injury and loss of family and various other things these subjects are you're going to find out have gone through in the upcoming weeks in our podcasts and our broadcasts. And, you know, it is interesting to note, too, Shelly, when you talk about information, uh, one of our broadcast partners, and I'll just throw this out there as well to add to the <laughs> the ongoing uh, glut of, of social media information, uh, our broadcast partner, Radio Keokuk, you can also uh, either email us any uh, or uh, any suggestions at RadioKeokuk.com or uh, via Twitter at Radio Keokuk. And so I would say that to you, Shelly, is we want to hear all the stories because, again, uh, what's the old expression, Shelly? Warts and all. We want to we wanna be able to highlight all these positive stories from, from sometimes ba- good to bad, back to good, as you mentioned in Tiger Woods. But, you know, we've got a couple minutes before we want to take our first break. But I want to ask you too, Shelly, and if you just tuned in, this is Too Much Grit to Quit. She's Shelly Till. I'm Dave O'Hara, our weekly broadcast and podcast. And talking about, um, you know, I don't want to use the word rags to riches. But again, Shelly, some of these stories, some athletes and, 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 and business people have been charmed throughout their whole life. And they have a story to tell as well. So it's not just going to be all the the anguish and and horrible things. But as you mentioned, people who show grit, when they get knocked down, Mm -hmm. they get back up and they dust themselves off. Or as you said, the unsugar or unvarnished version of their truth. And that's really what I love when the way you worded that in the early part of the segment was that we really want to focus and highlight uh, individuals. And sometimes it can be a team or or a group Mm -hmm. of individuals in business that have really uh, just shown us the way. And I just, I, I think the way you worded that in the beginning was fantastic yeah and i you know i i said that unsugar-coated story because i think a lot of times what happens is when people go through adversity they're hesitant to share the real story because mm-hmm. some people look at that as they're being weak or they can get uh, attacked viciously once again for sharing their truth or their story and a lot of times people um will judge that and so you go into to this guarded because you know not only are you dealing with adversity of what happened and the challenge you're going through but now you got people judging you and telling you oh that's not so bad or oh yeah well this happened to me or suck it up or you know just all that kind of stuff and 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 the other part of that is sometimes people are afraid to tell their story for fear of retaliation Um, it might involve somebody that you looked up to that that was a person that kind of, you know, held you back or, or uh, did some injustice to you or, or, you know, made you feel horrible or, or there's emotional abuse, there's physical abuse, there's all kinds of things. You know, we don't know what we're getting into and you don't know people's stories and their histories until you allow them a safe space to share that information. You know, Shelley, and, uh, yep, go ahead. And I was just going to say, the, the point of that is, is 
that's what people need to hear because the the pretty put a bow on it you know sprinkle sugar on top story isn't going to help the listeners who are going through their own challenges and who are trying to maybe either lift them pick themselves up off the floor or lift up their son or their daughter or their sister brother husband wife whoever it may be and so knowing again i'm and i'm just pulling him out because everybody knows who he is tiger woods's story and you you're right self-inflicted a lot of that was Mm -hmm. however he had to you know he had to pull himself up by the bootstraps and then that's an ugly ugly story it's ugly there's not a lot of pretty going on about about his story but it's just proof that no matter what you do, whether it's self-inflicted or it was caused by someone else or a combination of that, you can come back. And there is, uh, there are things that you can do to develop that grit that we put in a, in the title. And you know, I just love. I tell stories. I'm a, a an analyst of the game of basketball, and the best part of that job for me is because I get to tell the stories of the young women who are on the floor, mm-hmm. not just how their b- basketball skills, but what they what they've come through and what they've overcome. And a lot of times in sports, it's injury related, and so having the platform to do that, I'm just I'm super pumped for it. Well, as am I. And there's so many things that you have said there that I wanted to, to dovetail into before we had to break here in the next couple minutes, our first break, uh, with Too Much Grit to Quit. She's Telly, Shelly Till. I'm Dave O'Hara. And Shelly, you know, a couple things I wanted to put a finer, add more details to when I said this about some people, they've lived a charmed life and they haven't gone through all this stuff. Now, that's public perception when I said that. I didn't make that clear, and I apologize for not saying that earlier. So these stories, and, and you hit on a couple things I really wanted to, to, get, to dig into, and we're going to cover that in the upcoming segments and upcoming weeks of the show. With public perception, whether it be on social media or whatever it is, and isn't it funny or interesting, I won't say funny, but interesting, how when you mentioned in some people's eyes, it's like, oh, they didn't go through that much. Well, you didn't, you know, the old expression, you didn't walk a mile in their moccasins, number one. And number two, that I think we fall into so many roles as a society, whether it be as a boss or an employee or an older brother or a younger sister, you know, where you fall in the pecking order or the age order of your family, male, female, uh, religious, non you know, secular, non-secular, whatever that is, athlete, non-athlete, I think that we, we sometimes get so caught up in how we're supposed to be or what we think of and that's why when I mentioned that about Tiger Woods a lot of it's self-induced some of it isn't some of us you know some people as you said about being a storyteller I love telling stories that's what I've done like you for the last 30 years in radio and in media and TV is telling stories and to entice people to tell and share their story and I'll do it you know for them and lead them in but you know I think that's that's a very valid and, and fantastic point you bring up is or you set me down that path it's not necessarily what happens to you it's how you respond to what happens to you. Some of it's out of our control. You're just a vac. You're a victim of circumstance in some cases. But some you do. In Tiger Woods' case, he did have a direct result to affect his own outcome and and what happened to him negatively initially, at least on the surface. Again, I wasn't there like you. I don't know the whole story. I just know what's been given to us you know, through public storytelling to the rest of the media and the rest of people around Woods. So that's kind of what I really wanted to highlight too, Shelley, is sometimes – you don't have control of your own destiny or at least the start to your destiny, but then you can take control. And that's what I really wanted to highlight here too with too much grit to quit is you can be in charge of your own destiny. It's not where you start, Shelley, but where you finish, as we like to talk about in the world of sport. Yeah, I love that. And it your response to adversity and that ultimately, Dave, is what grit is. It's funny, I've, I've 
as we were starting in the process of this show and I um, as I mentioned I do speaking and training in this in this arena as well and so just talking to people and getting their their ideas of what grit is even that question mm-hmm. is is fascinating to me because a lot of people the very first answer you're going to get is it's toughness and it's you know it's and it's get down mm-hmm. and dirty and grit your teeth and um, and there's a lot more to it than that. And there's, there's a lot more to overcoming said adversity. Yeah, you can be tough and you can pull yourself up by the bootstraps and all of those cliche sayings. But, um, you know, when it comes down to it, it, it requires actually a thing that not a lot of people like to talk about. And that's the word vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so that requires, you know, you to be able to, um, let go, let your guard down, you know, and that's what I'm talking about, that unsugarcoated part of things. You've got to be be real with people. And so I'm hoping that we're creating a space where people can come on and be real um, because that's what the rest of the world connects to. You connect to the emotion of the story and you connect to what um, what that person felt or was feeling because we've all, like I said, we've all had our own uh, types of challenges, but um, you just you really want to try to create that safe environment because what is you know what is vulnerability? I don't know if you're familiar with the author Brene Brown. Yes, um, she did one of the I think it's probably the most viewed TED Talk in, mm-hmm. um, in the history of TED Talks. But that's that was what she talked about and didn't had no idea it was going to take off the way it did. But I love the question she asked because as you mentioned, working in military, she uh, was recently or, or doing a uh, a talk at dealing with military leadership. And she, she said, she asked them this question. She said, give me an example of courage, either from you or from someone that you saw that didn't require uncertainty, risk, or emotional exposure. Mm-hmm. And it, she said the room went silent yeah. and they couldn't answer the question. And then finally someone stood up and said, three tours, ma'am, you do not do this job without uncertainty, risk, or emotional exposure. You have to be vulnerable to be courageous. But think about that. They had so many stories in in that room of people that could tell their stories, and only one person had to break the seal and stand up. Like you said, it went silent, and those people have as much or more to tell than anybody. Like you said, three tours, ma'am. So that's, uh, (laughs) boy, that that, that is a very telling story right there. Uh, Friends and listeners, also fans of the show, as you're becoming on, and followers on social media, as Shelly mentioned, this is Too Much Grit to Quit. She's Shelly Till I'm Dave. O'Hara. We'll be back to share more stories of grit and perseverance in life and in business and in sports, every other. And, and that's the one point Shelly just made that I want you to think about as we go to this first break. We want to be relatable to you. We want you to sit there and listen to this or drive and listen to this as you're listening to this and say, they're talking to me. That's my story. Or I have someone else that I can refer Shelly and Dave to, or I have my own story to tell. And I hope Shelly and Dave can reach out to me. So please let us know when we come back from break. We'll give you all that pertinent information once again on how to reach out to us. And we'll be back with more of Too Much Grit to Quit. She's Shelly Till. I'm Dave O'Hara. Back with more in just a few moments. Welcome back. You're listening to Too Much Grit to Quit. I'm Shelly Till. He's Dave O'Hara. And we want to welcome you in on our very first show where we are offering a safe, non-judgmental platform for you to share your unsugarcoated story of how you overcame adversity, challenges, or naysayers throughout the journey to fulfill your dreams. We have a lot of stories and we're going to share ours. We're going to share the stories of other people. If you have stories 
or people that you think we need to be talking to, please reach out to us. There's multiple ways to do so. First, starting with email. You can email us at muchgrit, that's M-U-C-H-G-R-I-T, at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media at Twitter, Too Much Grit to Quit. Those are the number two. Facebook, same thing, the number two, Much Grit, number two, Quit. Instagram is Too Much Grit to Quit. That one starts with the letter, or the, excuse me, the word T-O-O. And again, probably the easiest, quickest way to do it is email at muchgrit at gmail.com. I'm Shelly Till. He's Dave O'Hara. We're excited to join you for you to be listening because now we're going to get to the good stuff. We're going to get to the stories. And this is why Dave and I wanted to create this. We wanted to share stories of famous people and not so famous people that you can relate to, that you can use for inspiration, maybe for yourself, a family member. And Dave, why don't you start us off? I would be pleased to do that. And I'll tell you this, Shelley, a couple of different things. You know, when we talk about this, and, and, and listeners, I want you to know, when we start mentioning occupations or stories or sports or people, and, and we leave somebody off, it's not by intent. Obviously, there's so much out there that Shelley and I want to, I just want to throw that disclaimer out there right away, is we're going to forget some stuff or some people or some stories. So we need you, your help, as, as Shelley just mentioned, with all the aforementioned uh, social media and, and ways to reach out to us. So please Please do that uh, with your stories or or experiences of people you know with their stories. So, you know, besides, as Shelley mentioned, you know, we could talk about captains of industry in business, male, female. You can talk about police, military, fire, uh, rescue, fire and rescue, 911 operators, dispatchers, the, the whole, it runs the whole gamut. And as Shelley and I talk about my one story now, and again, but I want you to think about some of the most famous of famous who have had issues, either personal, professional, uh, life-altering. I think I think the best example, Shelley, I could always give you, and I'll just throw the name out there because we've all heard about it, Abraham Lincoln. And if you think about and if you don't know, listeners, Google it, how he was started off in his life and his career before he became an attorney and a politician and a president. So that's just one example, but I'll go into more detail of a more recent example. Bob Dernier, my friend and co-host of another show that I do called Cubs Alumni Chat. And for those of you that don't know, Bobby D is a former Chicago Cub Gold Glove winning center fielder, current Cubs ambassador, and he's been a longtime coach in the Cub organization at the major league and minor league level. A lot of you may remember his glory days in Chicago. Chicago in the mid-80s when he played with the likes of Hall of Famer Ryan Sandberg, Rick Sutcliffe, Gary Sarge Matthews, Jody Davis, the list goes on and on. But Bobby was one of six names mentioned in Ryan Sandberg's uh, Hall of Fame's acceptance speech into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, not just the Cubs Hall of Fame. And Bobby was the leadoff hitter. And that was his job, was to get on whatever way he could. But when he was first traded to the Cubs from the Phillies, and for those of you that don't remember, Dallas Green was a GM and a manager for the Cubs, but he came over from the Phillies, and he ran the Phillies minor league system when Bobby first started in minor league baseball. And he held up the trade to bring Gary Matthews and Bobby over to the Cubs from the Phillies in that 83-84 season, the much ballyhooed one of the favorite teams in Cub history before, obviously, they won the world title in 16. That kind of jettisons them to the favorite team status. But those lovable guys, those characters... Uh, Bobby D was brought in, and Dallas Green was a very boisterous and and would put a lot of pressure on guys. But he, but a lot of players loved playing for him. He was kind of like a father figure to him. But he basically said to Bobby, "Hey, I brought you over here, no pressure, you know, but don't make me look bad." 
So Bobby got such a bad case, Shelley, of shingles when he was first brought up to the major leagues. And I don't know, for those of you that don't know, shingles is a very, very nasty skin condition, itching, and can cause other problems. And Bobby had it checked out medically, and his wife at the time was saying, you know, Bobby, you can't, you got to say something to Dallas. You got to let him know. And Bobby said, there's no way in the world I'm giving this opportunity up to be the starting center fielder for the Chicago Cubs, leadoff hitter for Ryan Sandberg and the rest of these guys. Now, that's before they all became who they were, but leading up, Bobby could see the potential of that. And Hey, he had a wife, mortgage, kids, and so he had beyond you know what we all go through every day. Shelley is you know the mortgage and, and kids and a family. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, and so <laughs> you know Bobby came to that pressure of you know I got to play. So it wasn't debilitating enough, you know, where it was like a blown out knee or that type of thing. But again, if you don't know it, fans look into to shingles. It's a very can be a very debilitating uh, condition. So you know even Shelley in the hot days of the first couple months when it finally warmed up in Chicago and when Bobby was on a road he wore long sleeve shirts to uh, undershirts and a lot of times it's so warm in those polyester knit blend uh, uniforms they had back then he would wear long sleeve shirts and almost a turtleneck to cover up the shingles and nobody knew about it or at least he didn't make it public and he was able to work through it he finally started hitting once the first month got into the season but it can be a, a story of grit to show even a story like that and Shelly that's the thing I really want to highlight with Bobby's story is when you put that amount of pressure on yourself and you lose sleep. And and so if you've got that big presentation coming up, for those of you listening, uh, whether it be for a sales presentation or a promotion at your work or any type of relatable experience you can put that to, sometimes you have to just fight through something. But again, when I mentioned, if you notice, Shelly, when you talked about Tiger Woods winning uh, the Masters just a, a month or so ago or within the last month, that he got out of his own way. And that's what Bobby said. He goes, Dave, somebody told me, a, a veteran like Gary Matthews said, Bobby, Get out of your own way and be smarter. You know, work smarter, not harder. And the more and and Bobby uses an expression that I like to use in sports, and Shelly, you can use it in life too. Try easy instead of try harder. Try easier. Ah, so when like he that. loosened up and tried easier and just let the game flow to him, you know, you got to take advantage of certain instances in your game or in your career. But Bobby tried easier and let his natural take over. And Shelly, from that point on, he started performing better. The shingles went away. Now, it's not a dire, life-threatening you know, story, but to Bobby at that time with a young wife and young kids and a mortgage, it was somewhat career or life-threatening. So you can make... Sometimes, Shelly, you know, that's the thing you and I have talked about off the air that I really want to bring on the air. It's getting out of your own way, and you can make such a mountain out of a molehill. And you just said the key phrase when we went to last break, to be vulnerable. Bobby didn't want to be vulnerable because he felt if he was vulnerable to this... Uh, older gentleman who was pretty staunch and I would say bombastic to say the least. Again, fans, if you don't know who Dallas Green was, if you Google him, you'll see that there were times that he would get in physical fights with his players <laughs> in Major League Baseball. So it was kind of like a Billy Martin, but Dallas was a big dude, 6'4", about 250, a former great athlete back in his day. So, you know, Bobby's a smaller guy, so he had a lot of fear around him. But Shelly, I think this story so dovetails back to what you mentioned about being vulnerable in the TED Talk that you talked about. I think that's a really key problem in today's society, either as you said. And now it's not just becoming male, but female as well. Oh, suck it up and be a mom or be a leader or be the dad or be the man. And, and, and so much of that comes out societally that we're looking at life through other people's lenses. Get out of your own way and try easier. Yeah, I love that. Try easier. I'm going to write that down. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all, uh, an excellent, uh, excellent example. And, and I love the part about that story where, you know, he, he was so afraid 
to lose that opportunity and how he would be looked at or judged. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't we do that all the time? It's, yep. it's, we talked about that earlier about the shoulds and the woulds and the coulds of what we need to do because we're trying to fit some societal, societal norm, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, but it's the people that are brave. It's the people that are willing to step out in courage and be vulnerable that develop that confidence and that develop that bravery. And that's what, you know, so many people think courage and vulnerability are opposite ends of the spectrum and they're not Mm -hmm. because you can't be courageous and you can't be brave and you can't take, you know, the whole point of doing that is, is, is you got to put yourself out there and take a risk. Right. And you don't take risks without being vulnerable. No, and I think when you do that, as you you mentioned, that when you become vulnerable, and Bobby found that out, and again, I always appreciate him telling that story and making it public, is you found out, as you mentioned, you've got to let go somewhat, be vulnerable, then you can try easier. And Shelly, I know you've got a wealth of stories that you could share individually, either like with me, I could make it about myself, or you could make it about yourself and your kids, but you have so many stories uh, like I do, uh, and mine was in the athletic realm, but and again, that's why I kept going back to business. You could put it in any form, you know, whether it be if you're a stay-at-home mother or a stay-at-home father, right. and your kids are looking up to you, somebody is dependent, if someone... In I don't know anybody in life who doesn't have somebody depending on them, even if you depend on yourself. That is induced pressure either outside, and then you well it up inside, and then it just becomes a pressure cooker. And I'd like to hear, have you share with the uh, listening audience your story? Or a story well, of someone that you know in your life or your experience? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give a little teaser to one of our, our guests coming up here. Um, as we mentioned earlier, and we've mentioned in the other broadcasts when we've um, done some interviews together about George Kittle. And the reason I'm, I'm bringing him up right now, yes, he's going to be on the show for, for those of you who are marking your calendars and can't wait for the next one. George Kittle will be our uh, our next guest. Next and- Thursday, May 9th, 2019. Yeah. Tune in, as you always do, listeners, and will. But <laughs> in particular, as Shelly said, all pro tight end, and now her uh, new son-in-law, George Kittle, former Iowa Hawkeye, now San Francisco 49er tight end, all pro, all everything. And uh, in, in a young career, only going into his third year, Shelly. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I, it, it's timely because the draft this mm-hmm. is draft NFL draft time, and everybody uh, was regionally obviously cheering for the Iowa Hawkeye football players to get to get drafted. And first year that two tight ends from any school were taken in the first round of the draft in Iowa's T.J. Hawkinson, who went number eight, and Noah Fant number twenty to the Lions and the uh, Broncos, respectively. So congratulations to them and the rest of the guys that, that were drafted. But this story is, is relevant to that because it, it, there are so many stories I could tell about George, my daughter, Claire, who played Iowa women's basketball, my son, Riley, who is currently on the men's team at Iowa basketball, but the relevancy of the, of the draft. And so I, I spoke about this um, shortly after the draft, George was drafted, as you mentioned, he's going into his third, third season with the NFL, but he was projected to be, um, so a lot of people were talking about maybe a third round pick in the draft. And um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with how the draft process works, the earlier rounds that you go in, the more bonus money uh, that is made by these young men. And so if you're a first round draft pick, you're getting big time, multi-million dollar bonuses. Mm-hmm. And then typically the there there is a rookie contract, but we won't get into all the money side of things. 
But just knowing that the further down in the draft rounds that you go, the less other people look at it as esteemed and the less money that is made up front by these young men. So a lot riding on that, a lot of pressure. And so I recall sitting at the Kittles household on draft day and we were there. um, This would have been day three thinking, or, or excuse me for the third round thinking he was, he was going to go and, um, time came and went and you know he would get phone calls and and thought that maybe he was his name was going to be called and long story short on that day it didn't happen and so that evening there was a lot of frustration um in the room just because of what stories he was told by certain teams that yes we're picking you in this third round and then it didn't happen and so you know as you can imagine for him you just start, you can let the, I call them the gremlins, get in your head. And yeah. start questioning, well, maybe they don't want me. Maybe I'm not good enough. Well, and she- this isn't going to happen. And, and Shelly, you know, to your point, just uh, for the listeners that don't know, the NFL draft is the first round is on Thursday, the second round, so you got to wait a night and a day until uh, the next night on Friday in this case, rounds two and three. And then when you don't go on Thursday or Friday in the first three rounds, then you have to wait till Saturday, and it's an earlier or a midday start. And then those are rounds four through seven. So this isn't like he just, oh, okay, got a soda and came back. This is each night and. So so I just wanted to reframe that for the listeners that this isn't just, oh, okay, I'll wait an hour or two and, and you get to learn. And, and again, Shelley, it goes back to what we talked about, other people's perceptions. And then the word that George was told, hey, we'll probably take you in the third round. So go ahead. And so the next day, um, well, he, you know, we were all kind of going, okay, it, it, it got a little more stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Put it that way. You're, you're kind of walking around on, on pins and needles. And so um, I just recall we were getting ready to we, – we were not at his parents' house yet in Iowa City. But um, we were getting ready to go there. And, you know, I, I shot had shot George a message, just, you know, keep your head up. Um, but I had talked to Claire that night before, you know, and she was she was upset for him. Everyone, everyone's heart just hurt mm-hmm. for him because, you know, it's just like you were expecting something and it didn't happen. And so then you're worried. And I'll never forget. He uh, sent me back a text and didn't didn't say anything other than it was a Bible verse that he quoted uh, that he sent me. And it was Philippians four verses four through six and it's the one that goes do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in jesus christ beautiful well stated yeah holy cow (laughs) pretty good perspective for a young man in his early 20s you gotta believe you think yeah like here's the rest of us the point i'm bringing that up is here's the rest of us freaking out mm-hmm. everyone around him is is freaking out silently mostly but some you know outwardly in you know upset and the one guy that it affects more than anybody is calming everybody else down yeah funny how that is yeah He's the guy that's saying guys it's okay yep this is god this is god's plan 
we've got this. Well, that's the old duck on the water. You know, they look so relaxed on on the surface, right? When you see a duck in a pond, but you know, underneath, if you could see under the water, they're pedaling like their 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 web feet are going like crazy. So George is calm up top. You know, and the other thing, Shelley, that I wanted to add was let's not forget his quarterback at Iowa, C.J. Beathard, went in the third round. And I remember I wasn't there like you were, but I remember what the public perception. And again, we get back to that looking through somebody else's lens, and George was like, "No, this is me, and I've got this." Because that would be undue pressure because everybody in the world now is going, well, your quarterback went ahead of you. That wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, he's in the third round. How do you feel about that? Well, you got to keep a brave face and say congratulations, good for CJ. But then you got to think, like you said, but George didn't go there. And so whatever your strength is, uh, listeners, whether it be religion or uh, yourself or whatever your, your, your rock is, it is so blow, it blows my mind that a man that young has that kind of perspective, Shelley. Yeah, and I, I call that your anchor. Mm-hmm. I speak about it a lot. Yep. And, you know, we all need to have an anchor. You're darn and, right. And for him, especially on that day, it was that. It was the one thing that he knew was constant and um, that he could could rely on and keep him calm. And, I don't, you know, I've, I've been in those situations uh, on multiple uh, times, on some related to athletics, a lot re- not related to, you know, just life in general. And You're if right. you don't have an anchor to hold you down, it's like I told him um, when I was talking to him, He'll kill me for telling you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> Let it fly. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, bust you, we'll bust you next week when he's on with us. No problem, Shelly. Go for it. it. <laughs> yes, you can ask him this question. It's okay. the day that he called me um, to ask if he could ask my daughter, Claire, to, to marry him. And it was hilarious because, sidebar, it was like a Monday, I think, and he had a game that night. And I, and I got a phone call, and it was from his phone. And no, Now, sometimes Claire will call me from his phone because mm-hmm. – Hers isn't working. And so I thought, oh, it just must be her. And I picked it up and it was him. And I'm like, what's wrong? <laughs> immediately what I said to him, like, why are you calling me on game day? What's wrong? Because <laughs> he's usually in the zone. Sure, up. sure. So he proceeded to tell me, you know, ask me that. And I'm, and I, of course, everybody, anybody that knows me knows that I'm not going to just going to say, oh, yeah, sure. That's great. There's always going to be a life lesson along with a conversation with Shelly Till. <laughs> darn right. You darn Whether right. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. But and, he, and he knew that. He knew that, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure yes, he did. Yes, and yes. I, I, we talked about this, this concept of having an anchor again. And I said, you know, George, it's just, you. he obviously had it. He, he had it the day of the draft. And, and I just reiterated to him the importance of having that in his relationship, in his marriage, because I said, you have to know what your anchor is. Because if you try to, figure it out and you're out in the middle of the ocean and you're on this ship or it might be a raft for all we know but it's just the two of you and storms are going to come in life Mm -hmm. storms are going to come individually to you to claire in your marriage and if you try to drop your anchor in the middle of a storm good luck yeah you better believe it it better be down and secure before that wave, before those waves start hitting you, or you're going to, you're going to get beat up and it's not going to be pretty and you'll still take, you know, take the blows, but that anchor is what's going to keep you afloat. And so for him, for anybody listening, the key, the number one key to having that peace or having that sense of security that can get you through to the other side of the storm is that anchor. 
Well, I'll tell you this, Shelly. There's so much that we can add to that or go into, but let's run to our last break, a real quick break. Hopefully the listeners, it's relating to them, and they're thinking of their anchor, their stories. And again, reach out to us when we come back from our last break. Shelly will uh, give you our contact information once again. You're listening to Too Much Grit to Quit. She's Shelly Till. I'm Dave O'Hara. Back with more in just a few moments. Welcome back to Too Much Grit to Quit. I'm Shelly Till along with Dave O'Hara. And we are happy that you're joining us here. Too much grit to quit. What's it about? Well, it's a place, a platform to share your unsugar-coated story of how you overcame adversity, challenges, or naysayers throughout your journey to fulfill your dreams. And I'm a firm believer that your story could be the key to helping someone else unlock the chains that keep them from achieving their dreams. And that's what we're all about here at Too Much Grit to Quit. So if you have a story or if you know of someone that we need to be talking about, bring them to bring them on the show to interview or talk about their story please reach out to us you can email us at muchgrit at gmail.com or you can find us on social media twitter facebook at too much grit to quit that's the number two much grit number two quit and on instagram too much grit to quit that one starts with the word t-o-o dave Let's talk about what's going to be coming up, what what the listeners have to look forward to here as we look ahead to the other shows we're going to be doing. I can't wait, and thank you, Shelly. As we talked about, Shelly's uh, recent son-in-law, George Till, although he's been around her family and her daughter for many years. You called him George Till. That's hilarious. I did. Tell, you him, t- tell him I said that because, <laughs> you know, fans, when I look at this, and you and I joked about this off the air, when you look at it and you see all the L's and the T's and all that, George Kittle, who is married to Claire Till. That's, that's difficult to say sometimes. <laughs> I know. That's, like, that's actually been one of the things that we were using as their – you know how everybody has a hashtag for the yeah, wedding now? Yes, like, yes. You guys can just be the Kittills. <laughs> well, so, I fell into that. Yes, and I can't wait to fall <laughs> I can't wait to fall on that saber and uh, in front of George and thank goodness I'm talking to him over the phone and not in person. He might have to shake me shake some sense into me, but okay, that's one for me. And, and believe me, he I would do just give you a big bear hug. But trust me, those are crushing. (laughs) And I'm a big dude, too, and I'm sure he would and could. So, But that's one for me, Shelly. That's my first on-air faux pas. First of many to come, but you know what? I thought thought it was brilliant. I thought you would like that. I kind of figured that would be near and dear to you, but I'm going to show grit and try to rally around that, to rally from that. So here we go. But no, in in (laughs) reference to George Kittle, all uh, all world, all pro tight end, and now watch me really ham up his intro. But I don't need to because he's done such a great job. But, you know, as Shelly talked about in the segment before, George will be our first guest uh, this upcoming week. This first show is just a, a get-to-know Shelly and myself and the show, Too Much Grit to Quit. And Shelly, tell I'm Dave O'Hara. But we also want to talk about some of the upcoming guests. And, again, please, all the uh, – Ways to contact us that Shelly just gave you listeners, please do so. We'd love to have you follow us. Also, uh, click on the like button. Uh, give us any suggestions, any feedback, uh, guests, uh, ways we can uh, craft the show uh, other different ways, and we'll, we'll consider all of those. But George will be our first guest and very much look forward to talking to him next week. So please uh, help us promote that on social media. But then also upcoming, I've got some stories, Shelly, that I think besides the business world, and I've got a very dear friend of mine who uh, retired as a full bird colonel in the military in the Army after 37 years, and he's got a, a wealth of uh, stories, not just 
his own, but of soldiers that he has, uh, men and women that he has uh, fought and bled with. And I've interviewed some of those in the past, in a past project, as I mentioned to you. I'm a civilian, uh, but I also did a lot of work with the military of stories uh, referencing courage and honor. And so we definitely want to highlight those. But also in the sports world, as you and I talked about, I mentioned Bob Denier, my friend and co-host, a former Cub great. But a gentleman that I had on last week, Shelly, and I've known him for almost 20 years, back to my old Fox Sports Radio days uh, in Kansas City. Bob Kendrick is the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Now, you talk about stories of perseverance, and Shelly, when I talk to you about sometimes we don't have uh, control of our own destiny until we take control of it. And when you talk about the Negro Leagues, uh, before Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in the early 50s for Major League Baseball, there was a group of gentlemen, Shelly, who were better or as good as a lot of major leaguers. So there would have been no Willie Mays to talk about or Hank Aaron. Uh, they were the next in line after Jackie Robinson. But you talk about the stories that Bob can tell you as the director and president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Fans, I would tell you, if you haven't been to Kansas City to check that out, you really need to. It's connected to the Jazz Museum in Kansas City. But Shelly, my first exposure into that, besides uh, Bob taking me through that museum with my daughter's, uh, back then it would have been her second grade class, took us through the museum, and I got the guided tour with my daughter and her class from the president of the organization. But my next experience, Shelley, was with, as you all know, probably know him as a former Harlem Globetrotter, Marcus Haynes, if you remember, Shelley, from when we were kids, the great ball handler for the Globetrotters. Marcus Haynes actually struggled in the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, or in the Negro Leagues Baseball, before he became a Harlem Globetrotter. He took me through the next segment or the next tour that I had of that museum, Shelley, and to hear him tell me the first-hand account of these guys were all major leaguers, all world, all everything, like a George Kittle. But three of them got to sleep on the floor, and one got the bed due to a coin toss. So three, three uh, black gentlemen, four in a room, Three got the floor, one got the bed, and they rotated each night. And you know how they had to sit at the back of the bus and couldn't eat in restaurants with the, reg- with the rest of the team. Those are stories of a different plane, and again, someone else controlling them, but the, how they fought through and the perseverance, and that's what a museum like that is all about. So Bob is going to join me in, or join us in upcoming weeks, Bob Kendrick for the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, but also former Major League greats as Kerry Wood for the Cubs or Bill Buckner for the Red Sox. And Shelley, as I, as I bring it back to you, I think we all remember, if you weren't alive back then, listeners, you remember the scene of the ball going through Bill Buckner's legs in the World Series for the Boston Red Sox. Well, I can't wait to hear those. I mean, wow, talk about a lineup. Mm-hmm. Just a few. Yeah. (laughs) Just a few. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, a couple of the the ones that I would like to highlight, and and again, we'll have a lot more coming. And if uh, listeners, if you have any suggestions, please remember to reach out to us. Like Dave said, easiest way is muchgrit at gmail.com. One of the people that I'm looking forward to, and we're going to stick with the 49er, San Francisco 49er theme here, but um, there's a young woman by the name of Katie Sowers. Yes. Who is an assistant coach on the uh, offensive assistant coach for the San Francisco 49ers. And yes, I just said a female assistant coach for an NFL pro football team. And the reason that's so rare is because she's only the second full-time coach to to coach an NFL team. And she is uh, amazing. Her story is amazing. And not only is her story amazing, but her father has had to try to overcome some adversity himself. And and we'll let her tell that story. But the uh, teaser for that is 
her dad had a stroke about a year ago and talk about, you know, here he was so pumped as, as any father would be to brag and, and talk about his daughter coaching in the NFL and he ends up having a stroke and can't attend the games. And so it's going to be pretty cool this year because they are working to get him to one of the games to where he can stand and, and walk on his own. And so we'll let Katie share that story, but her story is incredible as well. Grew up in Indiana, has a twin sister who um, plays professional football in the, the women's league. And Katie actually played uh, or coached um, with, Kyle Shanahan when he was at Atlanta and that's kind of that connection. So I'm excited to hear her story. And I mean, you want to talk about adversity, mm-hmm. a woman coaching in the NFL. That's it's incredible. And one of the things that I loved that she said uh, in another interview that I, I listened to with her, um, she said, you know, if you think about it, we send our kids to, to college. We were ourselves, anybody that's been to college or in, in any kind of education system, you get taught by male and female professors, right? Mm -hmm. So why is it any different in sports? And still into this day and age, anytime females are coaching men, it becomes such a big deal. And her goal or her wish is that someday that we can look back and think that that wasn't a big deal. Just like someday, you know, now we look back and I, I obviously grew up playing basketball. And so, you know, for me, that was my norm. Now, I grew up in Iowa and I did play the six player girls game where it was six on six and you had three guards and three forwards on one end and you didn't cross the half court line. And people are probably going right now, what the heck is that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's the way women's basketball used to be played. And Iowa was one of the final two states in the entire country to play it that way. Oklahoma being the other, it was a blast. And I played it through my sophomore year in high school. But now we look back here in in 2019, and just me saying that, people are going, wait, wait what? Yep. You did what? <laughs> so we've evolved. And and the hope is for people like Katie Sowers, who is really a trailblazer. You know, you look at Becky Hammond. She coaches the San Antonio Spurs as an assistant coach um, in the NBA. And, and those things that someday we can look back and say, well, that's not a big deal there's lots of women coaching men. And so mm-hmm. I'm excited about her story as well. And she'll be coming on here in the next few weeks. Yeah. That's where my mind went to was Becky Hammonds when you were talking about Katie Sowers. And I spent much uh, enough time uh, working in, in and around the San Francisco Bay area where, uh, when they brought Katie in and I just now, obviously with your connection to your son-in-law, George, uh, being on the same offensive side or offensive unit with Katie Sowers as one of the coaches. I just think that I, I cannot wait to hear that story because look at, as you mentioned, the door busting or breaking the glass ceiling to borrow the common day vernacular here of Becky Hammonds. And now you mentioned Katie Sowers and more and more. And when you talk about six on six, Iowa girls basketball let's not forget about someone as you know very close to you and your daughter you know lisa bluter who's at the top of the women's game as a coach she played six on six and now coaching on five on five as all the basketball has become but shelly we could go into so many more stories and i love the way you've teased us uh you know give us a little preview of who you've got and who i've got upcoming so fans and listeners what we're saying is help us out with some other people near and dear to you as as we have people near and dear to us shelly and i do she's shelly till i'm dave o'hara and this is too much 
Grit to Quit. So we look forward to, again, talking to you next week with someone very near and dear, as I just mentioned to Shelly. And I'm going to get it right this time, Shelly Till. George <laughs> Kittle, your, your son-in-law and uh, current, one of the best tight ends currently in the NFL going right now for the San Francisco 49ers, former Iowa Hawkeye. I got to throw that in there as always, Shelly. But look forward to catching up with you and the rest of the listening audience and George next week. So any uh, other tidbits as we get out the door here in the last 10 seconds or so? I just want to leave everybody with what I said, you know, to, um, at the outset. The reason uh, for for me personally doing this is just because these stories could be the key to help somebody unlock the chains that are keeping them from their dreams. And so, the more we can share, the better. And I appreciate the time and working with you doing this, Dave. Oh, it's my pleasure. And as I'm going to say, as the listeners, you'll hear many times throughout this show and through the weeks, I'm in lockstep with Shelley. Amen to that, Shelley. So for Shelley Till, I'm Dave O'Hara, and too much grit to quit. That's all from us. Thanks. To all of you. This is Too Much Grit to Quit. Sports personalities Shelly Till and Dave O'Hara bring you non-sugar-coated stories of the famous, not-so-famous, and everyday hometown heroes who have overcome adversity and incredible challenges to achieve success. Too much grit to quit. Discover the key to unlock the chains that keep you from achieving your dreams.